to give you an opportunity to talk with Jesus Christ. You could ask Jesus anything you wanted to, and you were going to get the opportunity to talk to Jesus Christ for 15 minutes. What would you say? Wouldn't that be great to be able to talk to the Lord for 15 minutes? Wow. I mean, what would you ask him? What would you inquire of the Lord? What would you want to know from him? Wouldn't that be fabulous if we only had that opportunity? Would you ask him for more money or more houses or more cars or better health? What would you ask him for? You know, the disciples were given that opportunity. There's a passage where the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a question. And they could ask anything they wanted, right? I mean, I think if I was preparing for the ministry, I might have said, Jesus, teach me to preach. Because they had seen and heard how he preached. And the, the multitudes were moved. I, I, I think I might have asked, Jesus, teach me to heal people. And to cure sickness. And to make the lame walk. And to, to make the blind see. And, and to make, make the deaf hear. And, and to raise the dead. Jesus, teach me how to do that. Because they had seen Jesus do that. But that's not what they asked him. Lord, teach us to pray. Because they had seen all the other things that Jesus had done, but somehow they got, they got the message that prayer was the most important. They needed to know how to pray because they saw that was the that was the lifeline that was the power line that connected Jesus with God the Father was prayer. Oh friends, we need to see that too. As important as preaching is, and it is, trust me. As important as teaching is, as important as 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 healing the sick. Nothing, nothing is as important as keeping the communication lines with God open in your life. So they saw the results of prayer in Jesus' life. We have a lot of misconceptions about prayer, and I think that's why we're in this series this month. Because we have a lot of unusual ideas about prayer. I mean, some people look at prayer as if it's a, a magic wand. You know, it's, it, 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 it's, like, it's like going to a Harry Potter movie, you know, and seeing Harry Potter, zing. You know, and that's what prayer is. But, but that's not what prayer is. 
some people some people think of prayer as a first aid kit, right? You know, it's it's and it's it's like it's like the fire extinguisher that's in the box on the wall. And what does it say? For emergency purposes only. And that's what prayer is to us. Prayer is for emergency purposes only. You know, reminds reminds me of the story of the of the uh, the senior pastor. The senior pastor. This particular senior pastor. <coughs> he had. 15 associate pastors on staff he had about 35 deacons and they they are, were always the ones that would go and, and visit in the hospital when people were sick the senior pastor didn't do that and then all of a sudden one of the main members of the church outstanding member long-term member was ill and the pastor was driving and he was close to the hospital and he thought you know what i I think I'll stop up and see Sister So-and-so. And so so he stops. And, and he walks in. And immediately, Sister So-and-so, realizing that the senior pastor, that's not really what his role is in that church. Why is he here? And she says, Pastor, what, what, what are you? And she's a little concerned. What are you doing here? And he says, I've come to pray with you. And she says, oh my, has it come to that? <laughs> Prayer is only in emergencies. <laughs> and some people have that idea. Oh no, has it come to that? Well, all we can do now is pray. Oh no. <laughs> so, some people think of prayer as a tug of war. And they're fighting with God. God, God, I'll do this if you'll do this. Wait, I'll do, I'll, look, I'll do this and this if you'll do this. Okay, God, I'll do this, this, and I'll throw in this if you'll do this for me. And it's like, it's like a fight with God. It's like you're bargaining. Some people, I think the worst position is some people, many Christians, look at prayer and they think of prayer as a religious duty. And the basic motivation behind it is, is guilt. Well, I should pray more. I, I, I know I don't pray enough. And good Christians beat themselves up all the time. Well, I, 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 don't, I don't pray enough. If, if, if I would have said my prayers more, this would never have happened. Uh, I, I'm, I'm horrible. I, I should pray more. If prayer is nothing but a duty for you, you're missing the point. You, you, you've, you've missed the point of prayer. You don't understand prayer if that's all it is. It's, it's a duty. It's no wonder you can't get motivated to spend time talking to God if, if it's looked at like something you have to do. You don't have to do it. I can tell you right now, you don't have to pray. There ought to be something within you that gives you the desire to want to pray, and that takes it out of a duty and puts it into something that we enjoy. So, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about... Today, the four purposes of prayer, John chapter 15, 
John chapter 15 is actually in the middle of four chapters, 13, 14, 15, 16. They're Jesus' words, last words, really, to his disciples. The last discussion that Jesus Christ shared with the 12 disciples before he was crucified on the cross. He's been telling the people repeatedly, I'm going to die, I'm going to be resurrected, and then I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm not going to be here physically with you, but I am going to be here spiritually. I will put my spirit into your lives, the Holy Spirit, and you can still talk to me, even though I'm not here physically. But I am here spiritually, and you can talk to me through prayer. And he gives us the four reasons for prayer. First one, prayer is an act of dedication. It's an act of dedication. It's an opportunity to express our devotion to God and our dependence upon God. It's an act of dedication. It shows that we are admitting that we are dependent upon our almighty God. We can't do it in and of ourselves. Our biggest problem is is prayer is that we we don't feel this dependence upon God. We think we can do it ourselves. I mean, after all, we're in America. Pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. Carry your own weight. Right? Just get in there and what? Do it. Just do it. We, we even have a holiday, and we celebrate it. It's Independence Day. Oh, no. Prayer is that recognition that we are dependent upon God, and we are dedicating ourselves to that idea that we need God. We can't do it all ourselves. We need help, and that's what it is. John 15, 5, Jesus gives an illustration of the plant. I am am like a vine, and you Christians are like the branches. Verse verse 5, and and I'll read just a little bit of what uh, Pastor Pickett read to us. Uh, This is from the New Living Translation. Yes, he said, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Oh, get that. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers, and such branches are gathered into the pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples, and this brings great glory to my Father. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. That's like a blank check. He says, if you really put your dependence on me, if you stay connected with me, you can ask for whatever you want, and I'll give it. That's an unbelievable promise in prayer unbelievable i watched a documentary uh, a long time ago on on television about about this uh th- these deep sea divers they, they had found this this wreck uh, uh you know a ship under the ocean and they they found this wreck and there were gold bars and silver bars in there and so they went down in a, a, a diving bell 800 feet 
below the surface of the ocean, 800 feet. And the only thing connecting them with the ship above was this tube going up, and that was the airline. That was their air, their oxygen. And they went down 800 feet. And then they were able to, to, to like use the robotics and they were able to like get the gold bars and, and get them out of the ship. But they were totally dependent upon that line connected to the ship. If that line broke, they would not have enough oxygen to make it back up to the top. That was their literal lifeline. Prayer is your literal lifeline as a Christian to Almighty God. Prayer is that lifeline. That's how we get our oxygen from God, is we talk with Him. We communicate with Him. And we are totally dependent. We dedicate our lives to Him. Prayer is an act of dedication. Secondly, prayer is an act of communication. I mean, most of our problems in life are communication problems, aren't they? Right? Our problems at work, problems at school, problems with our neighbors, problems within our families. It usually boils down to communication problems. You know, a lot of you don't know what I do out at Southeastern. I've been an administrator. I've taught in the College of, of Education. I've taught in the College of Religion. But now I am... Uh, the associate professor of communication specializing in human communication, so public speaking, speech, advanced speech, and then all the human communication courses. That's what I teach. I teach communication, how important it is to be able to communicate with those around us, how much even more important it is to be able to communicate with the Almighty God. I mean, you can't understand God and God's will for your life unless you communicate with him. You know, I remember when I was very, very small, and some of you remember this. Do you remember when uh, President Kennedy, and there was a little little problem that came up during President Kennedy's uh, time in office, and it was called the Cuban Missile Crisis. And we were that close to going to war with Russia. After the Cuban Missile Crisis, you remember Khrushchev blinked. After the Cuban Missile Crisis, that's when they installed the red telephone on the desk of the president. And it was a direct line to the Kremlin. Because communication broke down in the Cuban Missile Crisis. And they said, we cannot let this happen again. So the president, if he, has to talk, if he wanted to talk to the president of Russia, all he had to do is pick up that red phone. It was a direct line. It did not matter if the, if the whole country had gone on strike and there was nobody working in the White House. It didn't go through the switchboard. It didn't do anything like that. He picked it up and it rang in Moscow. And both of them could pick up the phone and they could talk with each other. They saw the need 
to keep the communication line open at all times. Just as vital as that was during the Cold War, prayer is that vital to us. Prayer is an act of dedication and it's an act of communication. John chapter 15, verse 15 and 16. Jesus said, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. He says the reason you can ask for anything in prayer is because we're his friends. I can ask my friends for things, right? I I can't go up to a stranger on the street and ask them for something. But I can ask my friends because I know my friends care for me. My friends love me or we wouldn't be friends. Doesn't that make sense, right? God calls you his friends. Oh, no, he is the almighty God and I am nothing but a worm I am worthless. I am nothing. And Jesus looks at you and says, you're my friends. That changes things, doesn't it? You are my friends. Sometimes sometimes we have a hard time praying because we fail to recognize what a privilege it really is to talk to God, to talk to our friend. You know, if, if if I told you, that I had arranged for you to to have a a 20-minute personal interview with the President of the United States. And you could talk to him about anything you wanted to. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? I don't know about you, but I got a whole lot of things I'd like to say to him. I got a whole lot. Right? But I would, be, I would be excited to be able to do that because I do know that he is one of the most powerful men in the world. I mean, he can sign his name to things and it happens. I mean, he's got a lot of power. I would love to tell him what's on my mind. I really would. I'd love to tell him what I think about some of the things. I'd love to give him some advice. And I respect him for his in his office. You know, you know when you hear me pray the pastoral prayer, you know I always pray. Some people ask me, why do you always pray? You pray for the president and the vice president and you pray for the governor, but you never mention their last name. You only pray their first name. There's a reason. There's a tradition behind it. Uh, it comes from kind of my Anglican, Episcopalian, that part of my background. The reason that they always pray for the leaders, but only use their first name, is, is, is it's a reminder to us. Because, you know, how often do you ever hear the president referred to by his first name? You don't, right? You don't. But we call him his last name all the time. It's a reminder that, yes, they are in that position. But they are just human. 
They are just like you and me. Yes, they have power. Yes, we should give them respect because God has has allowed them to be in that position. But they are just human. And our almighty God can direct things. He can speak to their hearts. He can guide them because they are just human like you and like me. That's why. That's why. And so you'll hear me pray for Donald and Mike. And you'll hear me pray for Ron. No, I don't know them personally. But God knows them. That's the point. We respect them, but we also realize they are just human. And God can speak to their hearts. And that's what we're asking God to do. We have a greater invitation than to go in to the Oval Office and speak to President Trump. We have a much greater invitation. We have the invitation to go into the very throne room of God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the great creator. He is the great I am. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the almighty God. And we can go right into his presence and talk with him. And he welcomes us in and says, come on in, my friends. Let's chat. Prayer is an act of dedication. It's also an act of communication. How would your marriage be if you never communicated? How would your relationship be with your family, your children, if you never communicated? You know, I travel some, and I take when I I take speaking engagements out of state, and I've started I've started informing people when they invite me to speak out of state, and I'm going to have to fly somewhere. I've just started informing them. Uh, I said, you know, when they when they start talking to me about it, I said, now, I always travel with my wife. Now, I don't ask them if I can bring Tricia along. I just tell them I always travel with my wife. And and if they balk about it and say, well, you know, we're not we're not we're not paying to fly her out here. uh, Then I just raise my speaking fee. And I, I, I buy her a ticket anyway. <laughs> Which that has never happened. I mean, you know, if you say something with confidence, I find out that, you know, people don't, uh, oh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so the end of April, we're going to Las Vegas. So I'm, I'm speaking at a, a large multicultural church there, and I just said, you know, my, my wife always travels with me. This summer we're going up to Indiana. Um, I'm, I'm speaking at, at a large uh, national, uh, a national denominational uh, convention, and uh, and she's she's going with me. You know why I like to take her with me? For one thing, she keeps me from getting lost <laughs> in the airports and things like that. That helps, yes. But the real reason is because I love her. And, 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 and I want to be with her. Amen. And I want to talk with her. Amen. Amen. And as great as technology is, 
and I love technology and I use it, as great as it is, there's nothing like having someone you love right there and being able to talk with them. There's nothing like it. Nothing at all. You know, if you find prayer to be a requirement or a ritual or a routine and that's all it is, you're missing it. I don't consider talking to Tricia a ritual. It's not a requirement. It's not a routine. It's because I love her. She's my best friend. And so we like talking with each other. Prayer is an act of dedication. Prayer is an act of communication. I got to hurry. We got two more. Number three, prayer is an act of supplication. Supplication. That's a word we don't use a whole lot. Supplication means to request. It means to ask for something. Philippians uh, 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, by prayer and supplication, by prayer and asking. Present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When you go to God in prayer and you ask, what's the result? You're going to have a peace. The peace that only Christ can give. A peace of mind, a peace of heart. That's the result. Prayer is an act of supplication. It's a way we make our requests. You know, Jesus is talking in John chapter 16. I tell you the truth, you will ask the Father directly and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name and you will receive and you will have an abundant joy. You can ask using the name of Christ. Now, we, we need to talk a little bit about, real quick, about the name of Christ. What does it mean to pray in the name of Christ? We, it's not something we just routinely tack on at the end of our prayers. Uh, God, give us this uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right? No. When you pray in the name of Christ, here's what it means. You're praying according to his will, his person, his desires. That's what it means. Actually, if you pray, uh, we're praying according to your will in the name of Jesus, you're being redundant. You're saying the exact same thing. So when you, when you pray, you craft your prayers, your requests, and then when you add on at the end, in the name of Jesus, what you're basically saying is, whether you knew it or not, Uh, What you're basically saying is, take my requests, take my prayers, look at them, and then if there's anything in these requests, anything I've asked that is not according to your will, according to your person, what you want for me, then throw that out, ignore that part, I want everything done within your will, that's what a Praying in the name of Jesus actually means. That's what it means. That's why when you pray in Jesus' name and you you say that, it does have meaning. What it means is you can ask for the desires of your heart. 
And if you ask for the desires of your heart, he will give them according to his will. If you ask amiss and you say, but I'm asking this in the name of Jesus. I'm asking this in according to your will. In other words, you're saying, hey, if, if, if I'm asking amiss over here and I should not be asking for this, Lord, you know better than me. I'm dependent on you. And we're dependent on you, God, to answer the prayer the way it should be answered. According to your will. That's what it means. So prayer is an act of supplication. That's why the psalmist could say, uh, Psalm 37, 4, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. He will give you your heart's desires. If you're taking delight in the Lord, you're praying according to his will. You're praying according to his person. He will give you the desires of your heart because he will mold and he will shape those desires if you're really delighting in the Lord. He will guide and direct your prayers. James 4, 2 says you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. How How many things would God do for us if we would only take the time to ask. You see, the Bible seems to teach that, that there are some things that God wills for us and he would do gladly for us, but in his wisdom, he has decided he's not going to do those things unless his people ask him. How many blessings are out there and we never asked? Here's the last thing I want to point out. Because prayer is an act of dedication, communication, supplication. I think this is the most exciting of them all. Prayer is an act of cooperation. It's an act of cooperation. God has sovereignly chosen in his plan that we can cooperate in his plan by praying and seeing his will done here on earth. But it is a cooperation. Prayer is God's modus operandi. Prayer is God's program. He's saying, I have chosen to limit myself to what I accomplish on earth by limiting myself to what will my people ask? What will they pray for? Probably one of the most amazing and perplexing verse, uh, verses in the Bible, John 14, 11 to 13, this same passage where he's ta- having this conversation with his disciples. He says, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works. How in the world can that possibly be? I mean, you think about, I mean, have you been healing anybody? Have you raised anybody from the dead? 
how can this, I mean, how can this be? I mean, that's, that's hard, that's hard to, to comprehend until you look at that last verse that I said. That last verse I read, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may bring glory to the Son. You can ask for me anything in my name, and I will do it. How is it possible to do greater miracles than Jesus? It's really very simple. It's through prayer. By prayer. When we pray, it can do greater things than Jesus Christ did when he was here on earth. Well, how is that possible? Greater things in the, in the meaning of greater, meaning a greater number. When Jesus was here on the earth, he was only in one place at one time. When he took on that human body, he was in one place at one time, and he basically ministered in that area for the most part. But now, he is no longer bound by time nor space. He is not in that physical body any longer. He is everywhere. And here's the thing about prayer. Prayer can go everywhere. You can only be in one place at one time. I can only be in one place at one time. But our prayers can go around the world. We can stand right here. And we can pray about something going on in Washington, D.C. or Los Angeles, California or, or London, England. And God can make it happen. And Jesus was only one person. How many Christians are there around the world? And if we are all praying... How many miracles can be done literally every minute of every day? We are able to do greater works than what Jesus did in those three and a half years that he walked as a human because of prayer. Because of prayer. I love Proverbs 21 verse 1. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. The Lord guides it wherever he pleases. Through our prayers, we can bring change in this world. Through our prayers, we can see injustice taken care of. Through our prayers, we can see healing taking place. Through our prayers, we can see relationships coming back together. Through our prayers, we can see people have food. Through our prayers, we can see the sick being raised up to health. Through our prayers, we can see the impossible made possible. 